Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 42 for June 1st, 2006, Nat Traversal. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. The month of June heralds in graduation, brides, Father's Day, and of course every month is time for, every Thursday and every month is time for Security Now. Uh, Steve Gibson is here to talk about... uh, more security issues. Hello, Steve. Hey, Leo. Great, great to be back. Happy and June. You, and, and barbecuing in June. Barbecuing. Too, right? Yeah, I there like June is one of my favorite months. I think because of all of those things. Yeah. My daughter graduates from eighth grade in a few days, and uh, just the sun is shining. It's summery. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, you promised us last week uh, that we will talk about uh, getting your router to behave. Well, or yes, what what it is about routers which may or may not allow them to behave and and specifically how it is that that the that's that security that we've talked about I mean you know we talked about NAT routers because we're both so bullish on NAT routers at, from a security standpoint the fact that that a NAT router makes sort of a natural hardware firewall which prevents unsolicited packets that are that unsolicited, meaning they're, they're unexpected. You know, the random, as I call it, IBR, Internet Background Radiation, which is just <laughs> this this noise. I mean, if you if you ever put a, put a, a packet capture on a raw interface directly on a cable modem or a DSL line or something, it's just amazing how much debris is is for one reason or another aimed at your IP. Sometimes it's people scanning, you know, for you know the the exploit du jour, whatever it is that has been recently found out. Uh, sometimes it's people trying, still trying to send you messenger pop-up spam. Um, it's just it's incredible how much junk is out there. So so you know, people who have a personal firewall, a software firewall running on their computer, they're typically being harassed all the time until they finally get tired of that and tell their personal software firewall not to tell them every time one of these pieces of junk hits their computer. Actually, it's, it's a sort of a feature of, uh, of Windows XP Service Pack 2's built-in firewall is that it's not telling you that, oh, I just blocked something you don't care about. It just, it, it's silent. And of course, all the normal personal firewalls, the, the traditional semantic McAfee zone alarm, Karyo, um, tiny and so forth, all of those typically have the option of not notifying you every time something comes in. You know, for people who, for whom a firewall is a new thing, it's sort of fun to say, oh, look, something just hit me. It's like, okay, <laughs> stand outside in the rain and you'll yeah. have the same yeah, yeah, I don't really need anything to hit me, and I don't even uh, know about it if it does. So, exactly. Uh, so, so, so the beauty of having a NAT router up in front of your computer is that it blocks stuff which is which is trying to come in your connection 
which is just from some IP, some random location that you're not expecting anything from. And suddenly your, your software firewall, if you, ha- if you still had one that was alerting you all the time, it just goes silent because nothing gets in. But the, both the advantage of the router is also its disadvantage when there is incoming traffic that you want. Well, exactly. And, and this has been the, the, the great problem, which, which was, I'm not sure really where the pioneering was done on this. It may well have been the Kazaa people. They had because, to. <laughs> well, exactly, because yeah. they were running their, their file sharing clients on people's computers who more and more often were behind NAT routers. Now, we and, should make it clear that incoming traffic's okay. It will always get through if you request it. It's only incoming traffic you didn't request that becomes an issue. Well, and, and then if we're going to say well, the word request, we need to explain what that means. Okay. What, 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 what a, a request is, well, there, I guess there are two ways you could request traffic. You could manually open a port, which is the traditional way of saying, I want to run a server. I want, for example, I want to run a web server or, a, well, I was going to say email server, but that's almost impossible these days because ISPs are blocking port 25, which is what you normally use for email. Uh, and even web servers are, are now being looked askance at by by ISPs. But But if you wanted to explicitly allow traffic to come into your system, you would need to, in in the first case, to open a, what's called a, a static port. That is, create a, a static port so that so that tr- so that p- packets coming to your IP at that destination port will not be discarded out of hand, which your router would normally do, but instead will be b- will be permitted through and sent to a specific computer behind the router in your network, which you have designated as the recipient for incoming traffic on that port. The the implicit way of so-called requesting traffic is just that you have you have recently sent your own traffic outwards through the NAT router to some remote location. What that does is that creates a mapping in the router, in the router's RAM, not something that you have to do manually, it's done automatically for you, which is how NAT routing works, so that when data passes outwards through the NAT router to some remote destination, it it implicitly allows return traffic from that remote destination to come back in through the router, and it will automatically be sent back to the computer behind the router that originally sent that outbound so so it, it, it essentially it, it allows you to to use the internet seamlessly connect outwards to any services and, and servers that you need to use and anything that they send you will be sent back but as anybody who's tried to put up a web server or an email server or any server of any kind inside his uh, network uh, has found that's it's not enough to just have outbound requests sometimes you want to have People coming into your system. Well, and a perfect instance of this is is in a situation where, for example, you wanted to use VoIP, or frankly, if you wanted to just send a file to someone else, and you had some sort of a file transfer protocol. So, in the case of, for example, two people with who want to have a VoIP connection, 
what they really want is a connection. That is, we, we know from our talking about Skype, for example, that you know in VoIP, the, the latency between packets, the length of time it takes for the packets to go from one Skype user to another really affects the call quality and just the, 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 the feeling of being connected. So, so what these people want, these two VoIP users, is they want to be able to send data back and forth between themselves. Well, here's the problem. They're both behind a NAT router. The NAT router will allow data outbound, but not inbound without being reconfigured. And what we specifically want to do is we want to avoid that reconfiguration because what that really means is it means opening a port so that so that traffic can come in from anywhere, not just from the person you're trying to connect to. So, for example, imagine that, that the first person tries to send some data to the second. Well, that data will leave their NAT router easily. That's no problem. That's what NAT routers do. But the data is going to travel across the Internet to the other person and hit their NAT router and and die completely it's unexpected data it's unsolicited so there's no way for it to get in well what the clever guys i think probably first at kazaa came up with was this notion of of both people doing the same thing at the same time that is each person sends data at the other person's nat router and they send it from the same port that the other person's data came from. So, in fact, it might stumble a little bit at the beginning, depending upon you know whose packet arrives at the other at the other person first. But but the beauty is that that the the outgoing traffic from or or through each NAT router creates an expectation of return traffic. If the other person is able to design their, their outgoing traffic so that it looks like the expected incoming traffic for the other person's NAT router, it'll get through. It sounds like and, hacking. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's some really cool stuff. I mean, we've but, seen people use other systems like a third-party centralized server like Hamachi uses where it's it, it, the, the transaction's initiated as an outbound transaction from both ends, and then they kind of get handshaked. But this eliminates, there's no third-party server at all. This is a way to do peer-to-peer uh, tr- transactions without having any third party involved. Well, kinda. Yeah. Um. Actually, there's no third party server involved once the connection is initiated. That ah. is, that the third party is not a relay that is that is relaying all the traffic between the two endpoints. But it is necessary to briefly use a third party, some server like located out on the internet that both of the people who want to connect are able to connect to the reason is that until the until the nat routers have allowed each other's traffic in they can't see the traffic that is trying to get in uh, okay. so here's the here's what is really going on and this is the whole point of what makes a nat router peer friendly or not and how this how it's possible to knit together 
a conversation between two people both behind NAT routers. They, both of their applications, for example, their VOI applications, send data from, from their computer to this third party. We'll call it a, a rendezvous server or maybe a liaison server. There's no real official designation because this is just all kind of stuff that's been created. So, so both people send data from them from from each from themselves to this third party the the rendezvous server sees the the external port number and that's the critical information they they the 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 the, 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 the parties may know each other's public ip which is the only way they would have of sending the data to each other in the first place but normally you you cannot know what port your NAT router is going to assign to the outgoing data because that's done just sort of automatically and algorithmically and it's changing all the time. So, so it's not like web traffic where it always uses port 80. It uses a random port each time? Well, see, that, that's it, and that's what NAT does. NAT uses a... It, 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 it rewrites the packet so that it changes not only the, the source ah. IP... Um, so that in, instead of coming b back to your computer behind the router, it comes back to the router. It also changes the it al also changes the source port, so that when the packet comes back to that port, the router knows ah, this port is at the moment it's assigned to to this conversation on this computer behind the NAT router. That's the whole way NAT is able to to disambiguate. All the traffic coming coming to it to among multiple machines that are all behind that. But now that's only for internal use. I mean, for external use, you're using the public IP address and the and the standard canonical port like port eighty. Once it's past, um, once it's outside the router. Well, but okay, but port eighty would be the the destination port. It's it it. it oh, the it, return it's, traffic it's, has its own port. Exactly. Even when you okay, so this is something I didn't understand about the net. So when I'm surfing to a website without a router, I go out and ask for something at port eighty, but it will come in on a different port. Yes. Um. In fact, that that that's where we have this notion of service ports are are typically numbered one through um ten twenty three, and application ports are or, or client ports are start at one at, at ten twenty four and go up to six five five three five and they're assigned randomly in each in each session well actually they're they tend to be assigned sequentially, sequentially. just because okay. there's really no security problem right. with, with 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 allocating them sequentially but so so as for example as your as your web browser is making connections to external servers it'll ask the os for a, a port connection, the OS will normally just assign the next numerical higher uh, port starting from 1024 and going upwards. Okay. And then, but so, so the packets that leave will contain that port number as their return. Actually, it, 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 it's the source port because it, it's the port that, that sourced the packet. Right. And then, and then they'll use port 80 as the, as, as the destination. And so the, that's the true remote, for all protocols. Um, Pretty much. Well, yes. I can't make. I can't say that. Many, most. <laughs> For example, DNS. DNS generally uh, sources its packets from port fifty-three uh -huh. and sends them to fifty-three, so they come back to fifty-three. Uh -huh. 
Um, and there are other protocols like, like, for example, service protocols like, like, like Windows will generally source uh, ports from 445 and they right. come back to 445. So, right. so no, it's not true for all protocols, but for, for, for typical computer client protocols, right. you know, like, like web and, and, and an, an email client that is connecting out to port 25 to send mail or, or to port 110 to receive mail. It'll use high-numbered ports. I don't think you can get Kazaa credit for this because I think Microsoft uh, had to create a directory service for its uh, messenger. Uh, ICQ probably had to do something similar, didn't it, for uh, chat. All of these predate Kazaa. So th- this problem must have been solved by them as well, yes? Actually, these they all had this problem and did not have solutions didn't have for it. Well, I know Microsoft right. used its directory servers at first, and uh, I think that that's how they tried to get around yeah. it. So, so, yeah, so so Nat would just normally have, have shut down those, those early... Couldn't do it. Uh, those early adopters. I mean, and and remember that in the beginning, NAT having a NAT router really was a lot of trouble. I mean, it caused oh, problems yeah. oh, for yeah. people who wanted these kinds of things. Okay, so in order to 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 close this topic, um, the the both people send packets to this liaison or this rendezvous server. It sees what port those packets came from on each NAT router, and it exchanges that information, sending it back to each other, that is, to the other person. And and then they subsequently send their data to each other using the proper port number. Because they've sent data outbound to the other IP, and the, the they, they've aimed it at the port that now they know, thanks to the third party's intervention, brief intervention, now they know what port the other person's data is coming from. Their packets are regarded as solicited, even though they technically <laughs> aren't the returning traffic. Very clever. To each other, they look like the returning traffic, and it works. And at that point, you've got a handshake, and the rendezvous server can get out of the way. Yes, and in fact, the other thing the rendezvous server does is it also provides the public IP because I mean, generally, you, you know, you could look at the email headers or or you know, each person could check their routers to 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 like look at the configuration of the router to see what its current public IP was. Or, for example, you could do something like use Shields Up at GRC, which will show you your your public facing IP, even if your own computer is is in, in a private network, because that's what it is that, that Shields Up is testing. So there are there are ways you could find out what your public IP is, but they're pretty techy and, and hairy. So the beauty of this rendezvous server is when two people send their traffic both to it, it sees the IP from which their traffic came and the port from which their traffic came. That information, it swaps and provides to the other party that then sends their traffic to that port and IP a couple times. And and what will happen is the NAT router sees it, thinks it's, it's, it's expected, and lets it right back through. Amazing. It's just cool. Now, the problem is, because we're not, so now we've, now we've laid down how it's possible to connect two people both behind NAT routers. Well, what if a NAT router is hostile to that? That is to say, what this requires, if think about it for a second, it requires that the port 
that, 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 that from which the traffic was sent when you sent data to the, to the rendezvous server will not change even when data is now sent to a different IP. That is, it is sent to the guy you're trying to connect to, not to the rendezvous server. That is to say, the, the NAT router has to deliberately reuse that same external port even when the IP you're sending the data to is different. Not all NAT routers do. Oh, well, Mine, I, for example, doesn't. Is that nominally a good thing? I mean, obviously it's a problem here, but is, is there a reason it doesn't? No. And oh. in fact, <laughs> because this is causing problems, manufacturers are moving towards peer-to-peer friendly NAT technology. And in fact, even the formal RFC for network address translation, i.e. NAT, suggests that it is better if the if if the public port is kept static as long as the the internal ip and source port is, is remains the same and that's so, totally for this peer to peer sharing it's specifically to enable this kind of 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 peer compatible operation Interesting. so what so what's happening is we're seeing newer firmware versions of routers are fixing this because their customers are complaining that you know they can't get good Skype quality right. or or good whatever because of, of of these problems. So firmware upgrades are cha- subtly changing the NAT logic so that the same outside port will be used. Now again, this doesn't represent a security flaw because the mapping is still dynamic. That is to say, even though this this the same port is being used at the moment the the port the the public side port is chosen because the 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 VoIP application is running on a certain machine and and Windows assigned it a certain port which it uses for all of its dialogue so if it used a different internal port the NAT router could and would give it a different external port so it's not like any that like there's any security compromise at all. The NAT is still assigning these 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 port mappings dynamically, and only traffic coming back from an expected port and IP would be able to get back in. But it's just it's it's elegant and it's beautiful. It does require the brief services of this rendezvous server, some something out on the net that can see both parties enable to accept the data and exchange it so they're able to connect to each other. I'm wondering if there's any way to tell if your router is uh, compatible or not. Well, it's funny you ask. Ah. Um, Because there used to be, but I found out when I was preparing to talk about this and I wanted to get some URLs handy, that the, the only service that used to be available that I knew of Apparently is gone. There was a there was a multi-platform program called NAT Check, and it was a project uh, living over at SourceForge.net, the 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 open source home ground, and it was it was running on some servers at MIT, and there are apologies now on that page 
that it's no longer possible to pull up the tables that, that used to be there. It was just, it was what? It was like last summer that, that you and I talked about this on Call for Help, Leo, and this NAT check program worked, and the tables were there. It's all gone. Now, I already have a bunch of stuff on my plate. I'm working on some new <laughs> technology anything for more, GRC. <laughs> I still have to get the open VPN docs done that many people are waiting for. That's yes. that's the next thing I'm going to do as soon as I get this other project finished. But but doing a NAT checking service is a I mean, it was made for GRC. It's the kind of thing I should do. Yeah. So so we will talk about it again. <sighs> Um, when I've got that done, because so, but at the, as far as I know at the moment, there is no good way to determine whether your own particular NAT router is peer-to-peer friendly and and allows this 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 peer-friendly NAT mapping. Can you assume that if your router is uh, less than a couple of years old, that it will? No, in fact, uh, what I remember from that table when it was online was that even recent routers were still not hmm. doing that the only the i mean this is a horrible i mean a, a, a burdensome suggestion but if you if you had a packet capture capability that is if, if you were running comview or ethereal or something and were using skype in fact this is how leo you and i verified that we had a direct connection and and we're not going through a a third party was i i saw that my packets my voip packets were were going directly to you out on my on the public side of my nat to your ip rather than through some third party um and so so that's that if you had the ability to look at your at, at your public traffic and in and you were using two nat routers um you could tell that you had a direct connection just by seeing that the actual IP was that of the other person and not some third party that it was that it was bouncing through. And if you um, don't, you could always check to see if there's new firmware for your router. Certainly, if there if you're seeing this kind of problem, always keeping your router firmware up to date is is just always a good policy. But I definitely saw in, in this original table that. They were they were showing they had a table a very comprehensive table of of routers by make and model and version of firmware and you could see the differences in this behavior based on firmware version so it's certainly yeah. something that is tending to migrate um, towards offering this capability and you might look in the the release notes for various firmware uh, releases or your current firmware release for your router to see if it mentions uh, that what would it, how how would it describe such a thing. Um, actually, I don't recall when I was looking at routers back when we were talking about VPN stuff. I was, st- I was studying router specs e- extensively to they understand you, exactly which feature. I never saw anything about this, <laughs> which was it. really annoying. <laughs> On the other hand, it means there's really a need for something that'll tell people. It's probably why MIT stopped doing its uh, thing because it was so hard to find the information. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you you won't really know if you don't have it unless you're willing to get a packet sniffer out and 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 kind of hack at the thing. Uh, and we it is can't... it is something that I think I need to do though. So yeah. keep an, you know keep an eye on on security now. And uh, and would it's... you notice an, an improved uh, performance? I mean, would you notice a difference? Well, look at the difference we had with Skype. Yeah, um, that's true. As soon as I started using a dedicated port, it really did make a difference. Yeah, and yeah. so 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 there. What what you were doing is you were compensating for the non 
peer-to-peer friendliness of somebody else's NAT router. See, right. see, they, they, they both have to be compatible in order for this kind of connection to work. Right. Oh, fascinating stuff. It, that's, now, how does this uh, relate to NAT traversal? Well, this is NAT traversal. This is NAT traversal. Yeah, okay. You know, it, it, it is, you know, that's sort of the, 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 formal, the, the formal jargon for the notion of how to solve the problem that, that, that the statefulness of NAT and the inherent firewallness of NAT brings along. And the idea is you, you open simultaneous, you do like simultaneous connections outbound through each NAT router, having, having them chosen the proper ports to send where the, the, where the packet is going to be coming from. Um, one interesting thing that has been suggested is that if NAT routers were logging the incoming denied traffic mm. then you and if your applications could each read the log they would see the packets hitting the outside of the router and be able to adjust their outbound traffic so that suddenly it was expected would so anyway, i have the same dangers as universal plug and play um it wouldn't and it's sort of an interesting hack but yeah. it's not something that's as far as i know has ever been done or is supported right. now so, in other words, this this rendez this concept of a rendezvous server uh, works on many routers, but not all routers. And those routers it does not work on are not going to. It's going to be difficult to use, or you may not get good quality uh, on some of these services. True, and and what it really means is that there will always be some third party service that you're using. For example. Right. You know, Google Talk uses their servers to right. solve the problem. Skype uses their servers. Peer-to-peer um, -peer networks use nodes that are open in order to help people find each other. Right. So one way or another, you, you are using a third party in order to provide that, that brief glue connection right. that, allows, that allows each router to get the information from the other one. Oh, so if, you, if, you ha if, if NAT traversal were enabled on both sides, you wouldn't need the third party route at all. Oh no, you still do, you still do. because yeah, because yeah, they're, okay. they're 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 because of because Initially. of NAT they're they're blind to right. each other right. until somebody tells them how to see each other <laughs> and then they're able to knit a connection directly through. Very interesting stuff. It is really I mean it's a it's a cool kludge that has been sort of it, it's a consequence of the fact that most routers will behave themselves this way um and it it does you know, it allows you and you and me to, to talk as well as we can. It's only frustrating because we can't tell our listeners uh, whether they have a, a compliant router and, and how to fix it or how to find out. At this point, what we've explained to them is why it doesn't work. <laughs> Not how to fix it. <laughs> if it doesn't. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Steve Gibson, you're the greatest. Always fun. Always fascinating. Uh, we will see you uh, next Thursday with another uh, exciting edition. And, of course, I do want to remind folks uh, that we have a great sponsor, and we're really happy to have them along for the ride. It's, of course, Astaro Corporation, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, which is a fantastic piece of software, free for download for home users. You might want to get an old computer and put it on there because it gives you great firewalling. You know, and I will bet that it does NAT traversal pretty darn well. I haven't asked. You know what? I'm going to ask. Well, um, I think it's open source based. If it didn't, and so, somebody would have fixed I, it by now. I think all of the open source I'm NATs sure do this correctly. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And, of course, if you're stuck with Nor Novell Border Manager, you might be interested in ASG because they offer easy migration for Novell uh, Border Manager users. ASG version 6.2 
Features a new single sign-on capability for eDirectory clients and eDirectory browser and a generic proxy server. Check out Astaro's Border Manager Migration Wiki. It's online at astaro.com slash border manager or just visit www.astaro.com. While you're on the internet, make sure you check out Steve's site, grc.com. Uh, not only a great place for security information like Shields Up, the notes to our show, uh, securitynow.htm. Actually, we can give you a new address in a second. Uh, but also a great place to find Spinrite, which is Steve's day job. In fact, a fantastic program. I've used it for so long. Current well, version, maybe, version 6, is fantastic. Maybe for about 18 years, Leo. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, when is the first time I used it? It's probably when John and I had you on the radio show, probably... Wouldn't be 18 years ago, but it'd probably be 91 or 92. Yeah. So it's been quite a while, quite a while, yeah. and it's a fantastic program. And check it out if you have a problem with your hard drive or you just want to maintain, make your hard drive, uh, you know, run as as efficiently as possible. S p i n r i t e dot com. Now in the past Oops, we, dot, always, I'm sorry, dot info is for yep. the uh, uh, spinrite.com will take you there too but it takes you to the normal spinrite page spinrite.info okay. takes you to our testimonials page got it and we've always said grc.com slash security now dot htm for our show notes but we don't have to do that anymore <laughs> yeah i added some technology to the server i noticed that uh people were not putting dot htm or some were putting dot html and i know leo you have a penchant for short urls yes you know my so, like my, my 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 radio show is leo dot am you know nothing more and no right. and never dot htm or html so you fixed that yeah well i i added the ability for for urls that don't include a file extension to be accepted and the server fixes them yeah that is you know our web server really runs at www.grc.com so if someone goes to grc.com they'll just they'll get the www added for them right and now if they leave off the dot html or htm um they'll get that added so you could just do grc.com slash security now hallelujah how long and have what, i been on you for this <laughs> uh, well let's see this is episode number what 42 <laughs> Even before then, I always you you've you've been known for your obscure uh, URLs. So I'm glad to hear that. That's great news. That's yep. and and it it was an easy thing to do, wasn't it? Oh, I'm glad it's done. He's yes. an old fashioned guy, and that's what we love about him. Steve, we'll see you next week for some great information uh, and uh, security uh, news and so forth. It's a it's it's a must every Thursday. Make sure you point your podcast client, whether it's iTunes or whatever you're using, uh, to Security Now's. Uh, uh, feed which is leo.am slash podcasts slash sn that's all you need or 100 what is it we're about a hundred thousand listeners now we are every single week and i think that's fantastic thank you steve always a pleasure leo we'll see you next time security now